The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at CARM.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Everyone, welcome to the show. It's me, Matt Slick. Listen to Matt Slick Live. I hope you're all having a good day and I hope you had a good weekend. I had a nice weekend. I actually just sat and watched TV for like 10 hours yesterday. It was really nice. I sat and vegged. Oh, yes. It was a good day. Just relaxed. Then my wife and I, we watched an interesting movie last night. Um, I was just looking at stuff and... We rented it. It was called Devotion, and um, it was about uh, Korea, believe it or not. And these two guys, uh, and it was really well done, and it had five stars. So we watched it, and it was interesting. And, uh, you know, but, uh, the first black aviator, I think that's in, uh, it was in Korea or something like that, and uh, his buddy and what happened. It was well, well done. We enjoyed it. Uh, it was a good movie. So I recommend that, you know, hey, if you like that kind of stuff. All right. Now, if you want to give me a call, all you have to do is dial 877-207-2276. It's no big deal. It's really easy to do. And if you do that, uh, we can get you online and, and we can uh, we can talk if you uh, have a question or a comment. And if you're not comfortable getting on the air for whatever reason, you can email me at info at carm.org. Um, Okay, look at that. I got a little opening thing there. Come on. And so you can you can email me there. Oh, look at that. All right, there we go. You can email me there. All right, sorry, we had a little, a little glitch there, kinda of came up. So info at carm dot org and what I'll do is if uh, people give me uh you know an email then I'll often what I'll do is uh, read them over the air and go through stuff. I like to do that anyway, so sometimes I just do that, just go through some of the questions that are there. And uh, we'll, we'll see. So like I said, wide open lines, give me a call, 877-207-2276. Now, I'm just going to let you know, we were strategizing today about some of the uh, uh, the procedures that we're going to be doing here on uh, the show as far as the media outreach goes. And, uh, you know, over the air, it's fine. So we're on Facebook. And what we do is uh, I just I send it. When I get the show ready, I send it to Facebook, uh, Carm.org Facebook. And <clears throat> there we go. Let's at Facebook. So we send it to Facebook, and then what Laura does is she takes uh, that URL and puts it into the other Facebook pages. And I believe, let's see, and then we do uh, YouTube, Matt Slick-Live, and we do that also. And I want to talk to you about YouTube and and stuff. So, as you may know, or, or experience, we certainly have. We've experienced it as other Christians and conservatives have experienced it. That uh, conservative voice is being um, silenced a little bit more and more. So, uh, I've said stuff about COVID uh, that I don't trust the vaccines. That's just my opinion. Okay, you do what you want. I don't trust them. And uh, if I say something like that, I can be uh, banned uh, or, you know, for like a week long. You can't say anything. You can't use, use uh, you know, you've violated our standards, whatever. Uh, just for saying that opinion and, and for like 
for example, quoting statistics like uh, math uh, cloth masks are three uh, percent effective, and uh, the other kind of masks, those paper-ish looking kind of doctor masks, those are fifty percent effective on on average. And if you do them very well, they can be up to around eighty percent effective. And if you touch them, uh, there's uh, there's problems there and, and stuff like that. Okay, those are stats. Now I said this just now as a test to see if we get uh, get me banned on on uh, on that. So on, on Facebook that is, or excuse me, not Facebook, but um, but YouTube. We know we also have people who uh, listen specifically to turn me in. We know that we know there's enemies of the gospel, enemies of Christianity. They're members of the uh, the thought police, and they uh, they walk lockstep. And I'm not allowed to really voice my opinions uh, unless it's within a certain um, parameters of acceptability here in America, free speech America. Did I say free speech America? It, mostly free speech America. There's mostly peaceful riots, mostly free speech. And so uh, we'll see what happens. That's why I said it, because I'll see if we get, uh, we get banned on, on, uh, on that, uh, on this one. So what I'm saying is go to Rumble. Uh, we are moving over to Rumble. We have Karm Org at Rumble, and I think uh, Laura will probably, or somebody will probably put the Rumble uh, URL in. And uh, you have to register, and you can watch the videos without registering. But if you want to comment, you have to register. And that's it. So not a big deal. And uh, I'm looking at the Rumble feed right now. So we're going to move over there because I believe it was started by a Christian, and it's growing very quickly. And over there, you have the right uh, to to say what you feel, what your uh, what your opinion is. My opinion is uh, is that our government is uh, is not operating in our best interests. How about that? That's my opinion. You see, I, I believe that's the case. I believe that uh, the Biden crime family is responsible for a lot of this. See, I, this is my opinion. So am I allowed to say that? Oh, I, on Rumble, I, I can, but maybe not on YouTube. Who knows? And then when they say you can't post for a week or you, you know, can't broadcast for a week, they don't tell you why. Just uh, you haven't met our criteria, blah, blah, blah. So uh, we are uh, advising people to move over to Rumble. And uh, you can go to Rumble. I think it is. Isn't that it? Rumble uh, Match Look Live. Isn't it supposed to be? It should be something easier than all those letters. Shouldn't it be just some s simple URL like... Uh, rumble.com forward slash karm.org or something like that. Hey, we got some guys and girls who work with this behind the scenes. They figure this stuff out. They let me know. All right. Hey, how about that? Let's get to Ron from North Carolina. Ron, welcome. You are on the air. Yes, sir. I had a hey. question. Uh, I, I came out of a church that they, uh, United Pentecostal Church, and they were yeah, the United Pentecostal Church is a non-Christian cult, okay? Just so you know. They deny the Trinity. They claim to affirm the true doctrine of the Incarnation, but there are lots of problems with that doctrine. And they require a work for salvation, namely baptism, and it has to be by a formula in Jesus' name, not in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So uh, it's a, just considered a, a cult. That's what it is, a false doctrine that we're teaching. Okay? Yes, sir. Seriously. I can go into it more yes, about baptism if you have any questions about baptism. But, yeah, it's a it's a cult. Okay? It's, it's well known to be a cult. Okay? Yes, sir. I left that church for many years ago. You went there for many years? 
Yeah, yeah, I left there. It's probably been twenty some years ago. I left that church. Yeah. Oh, okay. I just now I'm confused about it once in a while. Well, look, you know, I was sitting by. Was going to say the uh, the proper mode of baptism is what Jesus instituted Matthew in uh, Matthew twenty eight nineteen through twenty he says baptize in the name of the Father Son Holy Spirit. The reason you see the phrase in the name of Jesus in the Book of Acts, for example, is because that's the phrase that it designates the authority of, and that's found in Acts four seven. In what name are you doing this? In the name of Jesus, we're doing this. That's the. Uh, it just means in the name of Jesus is the you know is the, the authority thing. So it's like stop in the name of the law. So when you baptize in the name right. of Jesus, then you baptize by saying the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And furthermore, we should right. be baptized. We absolutely should be baptized. But ba- water baptism is not necessary in order to be saved. We are justified by faith alone in Christ alone. And we should get baptized, but um, we're not uh, justified by our baptism. Okay? Yes, sir. All right. That sound good. All Any right, other questions? Nothing. All right. Well, there you go. Well, thanks for listening, Ron, and yes, calling up. Appreciate it. Okay. Yes, sir. All right. All right. In that case, we'll do. We'll get going here, and we'll get over to uh, Alberto from Georgia. Alberto, welcome. You're on the air. Yeah, Matt Slick. Uh, yeah, I purchased this uh, series of VHS from Jack Airford, a book of Revelation, like a VHS series. And he was saying that the, the riding a wire over the bowl was shooting forward, these children forward. So Wait, I, I can't understand you. Riding a wire over the bowl. No, I, you don't understand. I can't understand you. I can't understand what, you're, what sentences you're saying. Uh, so maybe you could... I don't Jack know if the connection Hayford or what. Saying, saying, yes, yes. Are, are you in the speakerphone? Hold on, I'm taking my No Take the blue off. Yeah, that that'd be better. Okay, all right. <sighs> okay, what I was saying is that Jack Hayford was saying that the riding the wire hole with a bowl with Jesus shooting his children forward from the for evangelism. Okay, wait a second. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. The white horse. Something at a bowl or a bowl shooting his a rider people. with a bowl. Oh. He was shooting his children forward to do the evangelism okay. work. Shooting them forward. I know nothing of shooting them forward in Revelation. I know, but that's what he was saying in the in the series, in the VHS series I bought. He was saying that the rider was in the white horse, but the bowl was Jesus, that of the Antichrist. That he was shooting his children forward. Do the, do the evangelism work forward? Uh, let's see. That's out of uh, Revelation 6. It says, uh, Heard one of the four living creatures, etc. Um, verse 2, Look, behold, a white horse he set on had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. And he broke the second seal, uh, the second living creature, saying, Come, another red horse went out. So, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. It says I saw the Lamb broke one of the seven seals. Verse one. I heard one of the four living creatures saying, as with a voice of thunder, "Come!" And I looked. Behold, the white horse as he sat on the bow. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was. It okay. Here's the thing. Uh, there's four seals, five uh, seals, six, seven, seven of them, and uh, four angels. I, you know what? I'm not going to say anything. Okay, I wouldn't say this is what it is. There's just too much there. 
It's just too much to. Well, he was saying that the rider was Jesus, instead of the, instead of the Antichrist, because the bull he was shooting and shooting forward to do the evangelism work. Well, it might be, but uh, I don't see when it says a crown was given to him and a white horse. Generally, a white see, generally white stands for purity, and we are given white stones. It's a symbol that means that um, we uh, are, are given a. a let me explain what white stone is. Back in the day, back back then, when someone did uh, a crime and they, they they paid for the crime or they were absolved from the crime, a white stone was put in front of their their uh, their house or their their dwelling place, signifying to others that this this person was innocent, was was clean. So the white horse uh, probably has something similar to do, and it might be Jesus. I don't know off the top of my head. I'd have to just take a look. Well, the, the way I understand it. The white horse is the antichrist, to me. But it carries a bow, but has no has no arrows. See, well, I don't know. That's the antichrist. I don't know. To me. I don't and then Jesus Christ is the one in the book of book of Revelation, chapter nineteen. That's Jesus coming back. That's the oh. right no horse. Okay, well, king is king I can't. Is king. But the, the, I can't. the one on the book, chapter six is, dude, is the antichrist, dude. not Jesus. But according to him, that Hafer was saying that was Jesus. Okay, I can't. I can't. Uh, I can't do the exegesis right now to tell you. Okay? It doesn't seem to be the All case right. that it's the Antichrist, but I would like to look at it. And, and uh, In fact, what's happening more and more is this issue of me needing to study uh, Revelation uh, 8, 9, 10, and maybe also 6, uh, 6, 7, 8, and I could do a, a, an analysis. But there you go. Okay, buddy? All right. Hey, folks, five open lines. If you want to give me a call, 877 2276. We'll be right back. It's Matt Slick Live. Taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, I want to welcome to <laughs> welcome back to the show. If you want, you can give me a call at eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. And uh, we got some radio questions waiting. I can get to those as they come in. Whew, boy, what a day! What a day! Let me get to one of those right now. Let's see. Um, radio questions. So here we go. How about this? Uh, at the start of a particular show, Matt requested listener assistance regarding articles, provided background details about the New Testament story of the wedding feast. Oh, yeah. I've attached a very short related article, Wedding Feast Cultural from Christian Organization website here in Australia. Oh, that is so helpful. Hey, that's exactly what I need. Thank you. That's that's good. See, see I like this. You know, I'll, people will um, you know, ask for help and they, they come out of the woodwork. I love that. That is good stuff. You know, I, that, I need that. For an article I am working on. All right. Let's get to John from Texas. Hey, John, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, Matt. Good afternoon. I mean, good, uh, good evening to you. So, um, <laughs> what I wanted to talk about was the God's nature specifically and how they consist of the logical absolutes. Are you a Christian or atheist? I'm an atheist. Okay. But All right. Yes. Okay. And um, I, I came across your discussion with Matt Delahunty, uh back in 2009 uh, that that referenced your transcendental argument for God. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to pause every now and then just to make sure we're on the same page. I don't want to talk for... I don't want to keep talking. That's but, okay. Um, okay. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yes. Uh, and j- just real quick, as an aside, I, I enjoy watching you both. You two are like my favorite to watch, and, you know, in stream. You know, even though I am an atheist, I, I do enjoy your content, you know, because okay. uh, as a former Christian... I, uh, okay. but I'm always curious, right? I'll, I'll sit, like All the right. inquiry and the question, stuff like that. All but right. okay, enough of that. So when it comes to God's nature and uh, Blotchcock salutes, I noticed mm-hmm. that you two had a discussion or you two had a uh, a difference with whether or not they were conceptual or non-physical. And when Matt Dillahunty came across as saying that they're not conceptual nor physical, you had a problem with that. Is that correct? Yes, I did. I asked for a third option. Because, uh-huh. yeah, because in your, transcendental, in your transcendental argument, what you kind of referenced was that they're not a product of any human thinking, and they're not contingent on any human thinking. Right. Are we good right there? Yes. Yeah. So what Matt then kind of uh, assumed from that is that while he agreed that they're not contingent on any human thinking, you uh, he assumed that you were then going to say that they are contingent on the mind of God. Is that correct? Okay. Yes, I would say that, yes. Okay. Now, I often, um, not often, but I've heard that you've taken some criticism about not being able to give a third option for whether or not God is conceptual or physical. I, I was just it's, curious. Not, not that I'm easy. trying to put you on the spot here, but I was just no, curious. It's easy. it's easy. What Matt should have said was spiritual, because that's a third option. There's spiritual, conceptual, and there is the physical. Those are the three main categories okay. of existence, okay? The, at least for the Christian worldview. Okay, so it, was, it would have been easy for him to do. But I thought that when we had that discussion, which was so many years ago, uh, he was trying to negate the the argument I had by saying there's a third option, but he couldn't produce a third option. Well, if he's going to make a statement, well, it's a third option. It's neither one of these. Okay, then what's the other thing? I don't know. Well, then how do you know it's either one? Because if you say it's neither one of those, and it has to be something else, well, then what else is there? And... He wasn't able to come up with it. So sure, and, and I think that's um, I think that's just the limit of pretty much human experience when it comes to how we exist as uh, you know in, in this universe. Because it's it's necessarily the case that as humans, um, our existence is either conceptual or physical. Like my my mother doesn't know who you are, but. If I talk to talk to her about you, she would have a conceptual idea, and in that sense, you would exist. Our existence is not just conceptual or physical, but both. Sure, I, I, I would agree that whenever we talk about like fictional characters in a book, they don't exist physically, but we do have a conceptual idea of who they are. Yeah, that's true. But we talk about okay. us, yeah. But you talk about something that is, by definition, only conceptual and fictional. Then that's it. Yeah. But you and I, as we're talking, I thought you did that category. But go ahead. Yeah, I, 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 the analogy is not perfect, but I was just trying to get that's this idea right. that you know, okay. when we talk about we, you know, when, when I say we as like a plural form, I, I may not have an idea of everyone who stands behind me, but I do have this sort of conceptual idea. Yeah, are we? Okay. I mean, are we kind of following. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so okay, so know. that third option of spiritual. Oh, I'm go, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. That's right. So this idea of spiritual being the third option. What I would want to know about this is, 
when we talk about God's nature and how they consist of the logical absolutes, um, are, are we talking about spiritual here? Are we talking about the nature of God, the inherent characteristics of Him that is spiritual? Well, what we would say for the Christian context is that God is that being who exists from all eternity and will never not exist, and He has a seity. And that uh, His mind is perfect, and He uh, thinks logically, which is consistent with His holiness and His nature. And that the, the uh, universal laws of logic, the transcendental nature of those things, are uh, there because God is behind them. I can't work out all particulars, but we would say that they're part of God's mind. Okay? Yeah, sure. And I understand that, you know, the Bible sort of speaks on top, on some of these things about the characteristics of Him, you know, omniscience, omnipotence, presence. And, you know, in Psalms, Genesis, and Deuteronomy, it talks about laws of non-contradiction. Um, what I was... So I had a problem with Matt's idea as well, because, you know, in our universe... If something is not physical or conceptual, then it, I kind of had this trouble because I kept thinking of nothing. And I, I noticed that at one point during the, I think, the hour-long discussion that you guys had, that was what you presented, not as a third option, but or, or sort of like, this is what you're talking about, Matt, when you say it's not physical nor conceptual. Then your argument must be nothing if you're not offering a, a third option. Right, and people said this because he doesn't know a third option doesn't mean there is isn't one, and that's not a very good sure. uh, foundation to build upon. But there's a, even a fourth option called propositions. Are you familiar with that? Um, run that by me real quick, because I may, but I just, maybe it's using a different term. Yeah, because in uh, philosophy, not, not that I'm very trained on it, I just I'm self-studied. But one of the issues that a lot of the atheists have raised up is the issue of what uh, truth-bearing entities are, and they don't mean them by living beings, but uh, they, you know, uh, propositions. And so, I was uh, confronted with this oh a, a while back, and I decided to check things out and to look, and so I learned. And another option here, let me read what propositions are. And you might want to study this. Uh, let's see, propositions. Go on, where is it? Proposition. My search function isn't working. I thought reopen it. So hold hey, we got a break. So hold on and we'll get back uh, and we'll talk after that. Okay, so hold up, buddy, okay? All right. Yeah, sure. Hey folks, four open lines. If you want to give me a call, eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. I want to hear from you. Give me a call, I'll be right back. Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Bottom of the hour, we have three open lines, 877-207-2276. Just want to say thanks to Mr. Kit for your donation, and you can do that inside of Rumble if you like what you hear. You can. Uh, there's a way to do it. I don't know how to do it. But uh, hey, thanks, Mr. Kit. He's a pretty good guy. I've known him for a few years. All right, let's get back on the air with John from Texas. Okay, John, you there? I'm still here. All right. So propositions, these are some of the things that the atheists have used to try and get out of the transcendentals and universals. 
Now, transcendentals uh, basically and universals are basically the same thing here. And so the laws of logic are subcategories, we would say, of transcendentals. Are you familiar with them or with universals? Yes, the logic absolutes, yeah. Okay, do you know what a primary and secondary substance is in materiality or actuality? Do you know? Um, okay, let me help you. A primary yeah, substance yeah, I, actually, would... I do know, I do know. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, I do know. I do know. Okay. It took me a while. A primar- it's all right. A primary substance would be a chair. The secondary substance would be chairness. So chairness is a uh, universal. You with me? I'm, I'm with you. Okay. Would you agree that the laws of logic are universals? I agree. Okay. Do they occur in the mind? They do. Right. Uh, do they occur? Our applications of them, they occur in the mind. Very good. Do they occur under rocks or behind trees? They're not physical. They're not properties of the physical realm, okay? So they don't occur in the physical realm at all. So if the physical universe was gone, that would have no effect on their transcendental necessity, would it? No, they wouldn't affect that. Okay, good. So then what we have left is that the properties or these universals, uh, particularly the laws of logic and other such things, are universals are not dependent upon the physical realm. So they're not derived out of the physical realm. They're not properties of the physical realm, right? I agree. All right. Would you agree that the process of logic requires a mind? The process of logic, yes, it requires a mind. Okay, so we could say that logic is of the mind since it requires a mind, right? Correct. And if the physical universe is not the part that produces these laws or is the foundation of those laws, then the, and they occur in the mind and they're universally applicable and independent of the physical universe, then it makes sense to say there's a universal mind behind them, doesn't it? Uh, repeat that, I'm sorry. It kind of broke. It's all right. If the universe is gone, it has no, as you've admitted correctly, there's no effect on the actuality of the universals called the laws of logic. And since they're of the mind, they only occur in minds, as far as we know, uh, then the, and you said, this is the key, you said they're independent of the physical realm, but they have existence. So they're transcendentals, they have existence, which require a mind, so does that necessitate a, a universal mind? I wouldn't necessarily, uh, well, how I understand a mind works is that everything that we've talked about, whenever we, when we, whenever we point, well, so, hold on, let me kind of slow down here, because there's a lot there. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, so, I've done that so many times, no problem. Man, let me tell you, how many times I watched the discussion between you and Matt just to make sure I was hearing everything right, because it's, it was a lot to take in. But, um, yeah, there is. I'm trying to make it simple. Yeah, when we talk yes. about it. Yeah, but when we talk about a mind, we it's a label that we point to something, right? Like, uh, consciousness is the most familiar thing to us. I know it sounds like I'm kind of going off, but I'm not. I'm, I'm going to tie this back in. Like, consciousness is, like, perhaps the most familiar thing to us, you know. Um, when we talk about a mind, what we understand is that it's, it's always occurred alongside a brain. And um, whenever you talk about a universal mind, it's... As an atheist, of course, I'm I'm, I'm wondering, wh- what are we talking about here? Are we talking about, you're, you're talking about something spiritual, right? Well, here's the thing. Yes, we are. Um, and so, 
if here's the, here's the premises we're working with the physical universe does not produce the laws of logic they're not the foundation of the laws of logic they're not the precondition that makes them possible you've already agreed to that and good yeah. which means then if the universe existed or did not exist is irrelevant to their actuality and you admitted that they're they are universals which means they have a like it's like they're like secondary substance you have a chair primary substance and a and chairness secondary substance chairness is a universal and you and i could be different parts of the world and we could look at chairs and recognize what chairness is so your conception mind might be different but we have the basic idea there's something behind them you and i don't invent that concept we apprehend that concept so the the ideas of these these universals are mind dependent okay okay i i, I got the disconnection I, I figured out where we were where i was kind of getting lost because okay. what i agreed to was that the application of these logical absolutes are conceptual and that they need a mind the conceptual applications of them they need a mind. See, just to kind of save us some time here, um, I, I agree with Matt on the sense that when we're talking about the logical absolutes, we're talking about a concept of them, and that that concept points to something, much in the same way I was trying to relay earlier, that the mind points to something. That uh, you, you kind of get what I'm saying here? Yes, but if it points to something, you're admitting there's actuality within that mind, within that. They're apprehending what exists. It's not invented because it cannot be the product of individual minds. So this is the problem that you are having and that Delahanty has and other atheists have. Because there has to be a condition that justifies the universals, which are conceptual. So how do you have that without God? So so I am a presuppositionalist, just like Matt on these. And in some, in some like I kind of agree with Matt that I don't agree, just depending on what he's talking about. Which is why I, this whole discussion between you and me started with when you talk about the logical absolutes not being physical or conceptual, because whenever I say that they... No, I didn't, well, I didn't say not conceptual. Them, I didn't say not conceptual. They are conceptual. Okay, but go ahead. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I misspoke. So whenever I said that they weren't physical or conceptual, or I said the applications of them were physical and that they pointed to something, what then you're going to ask me is that are they physical? Do you find them under rocks? Are they conceptual? Do they only happen in your mind? Or what's the third option, right? Mm -hmm. Because I, I need to be able to account for them. Or right. if I'm it's not presupposing due, them, then I need to account for them. It's due to the uh, what's called the disjunctive syllogism, okay? I know we're going to be killing people's brains here, but I'm going to go through, we'll get to the next callers. But um, a disjunctive syllogism is when you only have two options, God, not God and one is negated, the other one is uh, verified. It's called the impossibility of the contrary. So it, what the problem yeah. with Matt's argument was, if it's just physical or conceptual, and he says neither, because he understands the issue of the disjunctive syllogism, since he cannot justify the universals out of the properties of the physical realm. Therefore, it has to be conceptual. But he doesn't want that, because that would suggest the, the universal mind of God. So he negated that one, too. And I, that's why I said, what's the third option? Because a third option would negate my uh, disjunctive syllogism. And he didn't even know. And there's options. And so I was testing okay. him for one thing. He should know these things, if he's going to debate on this level. And so uh, since they only had two options. But if we're going to say spiritual, then he's, he's really hosed. Because if he says that, then that means that supports God. And if he wants to go into what's called propositions, then he'd be uh, 
uh, stuck there because propositions are supposed to be these abstract entities that are truth bearers but don't have any real properties or existence, which is, makes no sense. And there's different views of them, and I would ask him which view was correct, and he would be able to defend the Gottlieb uh, or the uh, or uh, Hume's view or whatever it was on these things. I think it was Hume. And so you see there's problems, okay? Yeah, right. I do see that. Okay. So, dude, you need to trust in Jesus, man. Because Bertrand Russell, not Hume. Come on, man. Jesus rose from the dead. The eyewitnesses wrote down what they saw. Why would you leave Christ uh, for nothingness in atheism? I, I can't, can't account for anything. Well, I mean, I, I've been following Matt Delaney for a while, and, you know, it's not that I'm necessarily partial to him. There are some things I disagree with him, like, and, uh, specifically speaking, like on politics and stuff like that. But his his approach to found herentism and skepticism, I, uh, I'm i a proponent of that. I, I like that idea. Of and what? Foundationalism, did you say, or what? No, no, found herentism. It's a, it's a synergism of foundationalism and coherentism. Okay, gotcha. Mm -hmm. But um, kind of to tie this back one more time before I just let you get on to other callers. Yeah, the break's coming up here pretty quickly, just so you know. Okay. Yeah, you just want me to wait? or? No, we're going to go on because uh, I know that a lot of people don't like our conversations very long. Once you call back tomorrow, we can go through some more because I enjoy talking yeah, to sure, you. Sure. This is what I like to do. Yeah. And you're very respectful. How, can I ask how old you are? You don't have to tell me. I'm just curious. Uh, I'm 26. Okay. All right. Appreciate it. Oh, man, I'm 40 yep. years older than you. Wow. I'm getting old. <laughs> hey, man, thanks a lot. Okay. We'll call back tomorrow, okay? And we'll talk some more, all right? All right. Appreciate it. Okay, right, John, thanks. Okay. Everybody, you got to pray for John, all right? And uh, if he calls, then I'll try and pin him a little bit and show that his view doesn't work. Hey, we'll be right back after these messages. Please stay tuned. Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Everybody, welcome back to the show. Thanks for listening. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. Let's get to Don from Ohio. Hey, Don, welcome. You're on the air. Hi, Matt. Um, Hi. I really like your show. Good. Uh, I was wondering, at the end of... The book of Ezekiel, it mm -hmm. talks about a temple. Yes. Is Do you know if that's like the millennium temple? Some say it is. And so... Uh, because it, it talks about a prince coming in, mm -hmm. yeah. I think. I don't have my Bible with me, but um, I think I read where it talks about a prince coming in, Jesus, I guess. Yeah, there's uh, there's different interpretations. Some say it's uh, going to be a rebuilt temple in the uh, in Jerusalem, and uh, the Lord Jesus will be there. Some I've heard different arguments about what it could be uh, that one it's a representation of that which is in heaven. So it's a tough one. Uh, it, it is a tough one to talk about and to uh, to analyze. So you know, it's it, it, this is coming up more and more that uh, I think the Lord might be pushing me towards a study of eschatology where I go through a lot of these things. I've never done it before. haven't had a, uh, not, a, a need to. But uh, mm -hmm. as people keep asking, 
uh, it starts to make me, you know, to to look. You see, at the end of Ezekiel, yes, um, which is interesting, it has a city, you know, and it's uh, 4,500 cubits by, you know, it's a cube. And so, you know, it's, it's huge. And is that literal or is it a spiritual meaning? And so that's yes, why I can't say exactly what it is. And it talks about giving land mm-hmm. to, if he wants to give land to someone or something, mm-hmm. it, yeah. you know, for the 12 tribes, if he wants to give a gift of land. and Yep. I'm thinking yep. it's the millennial. I mean. Well, it might be. I don't, I know. Yeah, see, it this would be a problem for my. about it. Yeah. Okay. It yeah, just starts it, talking about it in, I think, Ezekiel 40. Yeah, he's uh, he goes through vision of the man with a measuring rod and yes. cubits and stuff. Yeah, there's a. <laughs> there's well, so Ezekiel, much. was mm-hmm. he um, talking to the people that were exiled to Babylon? I believe so. I, I'm not sure exactly. I just look and see because it's been a while since I've studied Ezekiel for that reason. Uh, but it is uh, to. Uh, he was among the exiles when he when he wrote it so it's probably in reference to those people here's the thing is like john wrote revelation and he had to write it in code and i think ezekiel has a lot of code also so that only the jews would really be familiar with what's going on and they would they'd get the meaning we are outside of that culture so we've lost a lot of that cultural aspect one of the things i found in scripture is to do word studies and if I were to do a, a serious study on the book of Revelation, uh, then I would I would be forced to uh, go through the Old Testament where similar concepts are found and then look how they're, they're related to one another. Not just explained, but re- related to one another, and then how they're used in the New Testament context. So we can look at Ezekiel. We might get a certain conclusion out of it. But if the New Testament quotes something out of Ezekiel and says this is what it means, then that takes priority with to adjust our interpretation of that, which is why we have to go to Revelation and New Testament to see whatever's quoted from Ezekiel and Daniel and then relate it uh, under the interpretation of, uh, of Revelation. However, here's another problem. Revelation is, some say it's, chronolo- it's chronological. And it may be, it may not be. Some say it's heptatic. And what that means is that uh, there's, there's so many sevens in there that there are seven seals, seven churches, seven bowls. Yes. Some think that Revelation is just a repetition of the same story seven times. So it's called a heptatic arrangement. And so really? if I were to go, th- oh yeah, yeah, it's just another view. And then there's this, something called chiasm, chiastic structures. And chiastic structures were used in ancient literature to help in memorization and the flow and concepts so that people could remember things when they'd be talking and communicating. So uh, uh, there are different kinds of chiasm. And uh, so it's best understood by looking on a piece of paper and you see how, how sentences are arranged. And the most common one I've, I've used as an example is Acts chapter seven, starting at verse seven. Ask and you shall find. Seek or uh, he, ask and you shall find. Seek and and uh, you, uh, ask and it be given. Seek you'll find. Knock a door will be open for he who asks, for he who seeks, for he who knocks. It goes A S K A S K. That's a chiastic structure. 
where the three oh. things initiated are the same as the three repeated. But that's one okay. kind. Another kind would be if you took a triangle, for example, and uh, like a pyramid, all right, you took the base off of the pyramid. So that's only two angles or, or two lines that are coming to a point. Then you turn the turn it sideways so that the point's to the right. Then you have chiastic structures which follow that pattern. And what that means is the very top of that line would be related to the last part of the uh, the second or the, of the story or the parable or whatever it is and it goes into a point and that point is where the uh, the, the main point of the uh, discussion is and you can see this in the, uh, the parable of the steward the unjust steward and also in the prodigal son so if you were to go to Carm my website for example and you were to look up uh, parables so let me do this right now. So I, I go to CARM. Let's see. I think it works this way. CARM.org. I don't know if you've been to my website. And type in uh, forward slash parables. Then what happens is it, it goes and you want to find uh, the prodigal son. And you open up the prodigal son and then you'll see a chiastic structure right there. And then it'll make sense. And <laughs> so the question I would have then is revelation a chiastic structure? Or is it... Uh, sevens with chiastic structures within each, in each seven. It just gets complicated. This is the kind of stuff I study. And so that's why I say I haven't done it yet. It's <laughs> just so it much. It is a, a, just a fascinating book. The, mm-hmm. the Bible is just wonderful. Yeah, and <clears throat> I had another question. <laughs> sure. Is that okay? Sure. Okay. Um Oh, I think it's Luke 13, the beginning. Okay. Talks about um, a tower that fell. Yes. On mm-hmm. 18 men, and mm-hmm. Jesus said, the same thing will happen to you if you don't turn to me, or you will perish, or... I mean, I can't quote it, but... Yeah, it's Luke uh, 13, 4, and 5. Or do you suppose that, that the... Yes. Is that telling me that you don't know when you're going to die? No. And if you don't turn to him? No. First thing about understanding Scripture, the very first thing is read the context. Now, on the same occasion, there was present uh, who reported to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with the sacrifices. And Jesus said, Do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than all the Galileans uh, because they suffered this fate? I tell you, but unless you repent, you'll all likewise perish. Or do you suppose that the 18 in whom the tower of Siloam fell, etc.? I tell you, unless you repent, you'll you'll likewise perish. So what he's doing is calling people to to, to repentance. He's saying it to the crowds, and that's in Luke 2.52. So he's just talking generically to people and calling them to repentance. Okay? Okay, and but it does say that it is appointed for man to die once, and then the judgment. Right, Uh, right. Hebrews nine twenty seven. I did hear that in church. Okay. Are you worried about losing your salvation? Oh no. (laughs) Okay, good. All right, good. No, I um, just wish this people could. I don't know. It just seemed like we had the gospel here, and now it's gone, and it's just devastating 
Well, let me really help you out and make it a little bit worse. It's just because terrible. It is. And it'll probably get much worse. And I mean, people don't... I, what's, you, read, you ever read Matthew 7? Yes. Is that where it yeah. says the road to hell is broad? Yes. Mm-hmm. Do you think people feel safe like they're in a crowd of people and it makes them feel safe like they can save them? And a crowd of people can't save your soul. I don't get this. Well, what he's saying there is that many people go to hell and not that many people go to heaven. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Do you think people today think they're safe because they're in this crowd of people that's against God? The people who are against God are under the judgment of God, and that's Romans 1, 18 through 31. The judgment of God is upon them. They've been given over to the depravity of their hearts and their minds. They're under judgment. It's just, it's shocking. I mean, I it's was realistic. raised in the 60s and 70s, and it's shocking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was raised there too, and it was far more open then. There is an increase of ungodliness and an increase of, of bad things. We know and it that. says that in Timothy. <laughs> yes, it's First Timothy 4. In the latter times, some will fall away, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. That's right. Well, I, mm-hmm. Ten years ago, I started studying the Bible, and just reading that was just shocking to me. It's like, why does mm-hmm. the world have to take a turn for the worst when Jesus came here, and period, you know? It might be because... Jesus just, took, Jesus experienced the worst, and we follow after him, and we will experience it like him, like our Lord. As he was mistreated, we are mistreated. As he was mocked, we are mocked. People yeah, don't understand say that, that too. Yep. People don't understand. They think being a Christian means your life's going to be easy. It's, it doesn't mean that. It could be. And it, but it, it, in this country, it's easy. But there are people all over the world right now that are dying for their faith, being beheaded by Muslims, the murderous Muslims. Uh huh. And so this is on the rise, and our own country is turning against us. In fact, think about this. Our country is replacing. They can't destroy us from the outside or destroying us from the inside. The schools are liberal. The government is opening up the borders. Abortion for killing the people. COVID, which is a, a control thing. Okay, they're trying to destroy us. The economy is tanking, and this is—it's uh, work. It's work to destroy this country. Because when America falls, then the communist, socialist regimes out there, China and Russia, will be able to move in. We're the the last right. hope. So this is what's happening. Well, okay? I I really feel like they're trying to just stop the middle class, and they either want people rich or poor. Yes, that's what socialism does. It promises prosperity and delivers death. That's what it does. Okay. Well, if you ask me, some people are blind. Uh, a lot of people. Deceived. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Don't it say that through the Bible? Do not oh, be yeah. deceived. Mm-hmm. We I mean, just think what AT and T did. You know, did you hear what they just did with uh, with um, <laughs> oh. Newsmax? Yeah, they just took Newsmax <laughs> off. Fourth largest cable rated cable thing. It's conservative. They took it off because they're liberal, because AT and T is liberal, and so that's Direct TV took it off. So nothing to do with them anymore. Hey, we gotta go. 
okay? Okay, All right, thank you so much. Okay, God. All right, God bless. Sorry, Jane, for waiting so long. Uh, long time call. Hey, folks, by His grace, we'll be back tomorrow. Talk to you then. Another program powered by the Truth Network.